Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Hearn. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope-filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. I have... uh just come to this understanding over the last 12 months that we are in a world that is easily triggered. And I mean triggered about everything, right? I mean, the last 12 months has brought out the worst of us in so many ways. People are easily offended about everything. Society is like, it's just looking for ways to be completely offended. It's like, about stuff that doesn't even matter. If I could just come up with a way today to be offended or defensive, like that's the world we live in. It's absolutely crazy. We are offended by everything. I mean, everything. I'm reminded when I was a kid and we used to go to the park to play basketball and you would get to the park and there'd be like 10 guys, 15 guys, whatever. And there'd be one ball, right? There's just one ball. Some kid brought a ball. Thank God somebody brought a ball because none of us thought to bring a basketball. And then what happens is the game doesn't go like that kid wanted to. And the kid takes his ball and goes home. Right. And you're like, where are you going? Now nah, I'm going home. It's my ball takes his ball and goes home because the game didn't go the way he wanted the game to go. That reminds me of the world that we live in today. Right. Like, man, if you don't do it the way I think you should do it, I'll just I'll just take my ball and go home. I'll just cancel you altogether. Like if you don't think the way I think, well, God, you should be stricken from the planet Earth. Like, we are so easily offended, easily triggered. It's not just in our culture. It's not just in our society. It's in our relationships. It's in our marriages. It's in our parenting. It's even in our churches. Easily triggered. And the Bible is clear where this comes from. And so I want to start off by reading a verse in James chapter 4, verse 1. Why are you so triggered. This is what it says. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Okay, so this is a great point. Where does this come from? Where does this this this, this tension, this conflict, the, the quarrels, the fight? Why am I so critical? Why am I so offensive? Why am I so judgmental? Why am I so prideful and arrogant? Why am I so easily triggered? And so I want to look at this today because I think that as men and women of God, we should not be easily triggered. We should not be easily offended or always on the defense. And so I want to get into this and just give you six things, six keys today to think about as a child of God. Number one, I already said it, but number one, if you're taking notes, you can write this down and stop being so easily offended. I want you to look at the person you did a minute ago and say, see, I told you he's talking to you. Go ahead. (laughs) Don't be so easily offended. I mean, the Bible says this in Proverbs 19 verse 11. It says, good sense makes one slow to anger. Okay. And it is his glory to overlook an offense. Okay. Overlook the offense. Say that out loud. 
overlook the offense. I can promise you, I am 110% sure that somebody is going to message me today because of my opening statement about masks. It was a freaking joke. It was a joke. Don't be so easily triggered. Don't be so easily offended. It's okay, my gosh. I, I posted a picture a few months ago on my Instagram. If you don't follow me, it's, uh, it's on there still. It's a picture of a mask, me wearing it, and I cut a nose hole out. And I put in my comments, I don't understand what the big deal is that everybody's making about wearing masks. It's really not that difficult. I had the nose cut out. I was in my own home, in my kitchen. I was even six feet away from my own family. And people were just triggered, man. People saw it so fast, they didn't see the hole in the nose. And they're just, you need to educate yourself, Pastor Travis. And I mean, just letting me have it. And I just let them. Because I thought at some point, they're going to realize there's a hole in the mask. And they're going to realize like, man, I really, I really got easily triggered on this thing. Stop being so easily offended. See, the easily offended, they always, they always feel insulted or annoyed. Uh, They're the strongest grudge holders. They get eaten alive by their own resentment and bitterness. And, And by the way, there's some psychology behind this easily offended mindset that I want to just break down to you. Why are people, not everybody is, why are some people so easily offended? Why? Why is that? Where There, there is some psychology, and this isn't your notes, but I'm going to give you a couple things, A, B, C, and D, to think about. Uh, one is, letter A is their expectations, right? You get easily offended because I have expectations, not for me, but for you. And when you don't meet my expectations for your life, then I'm offended, I put my expectations for my wife. I put my expectations for you. I make sure that there's a bar that you've got to hit that, quite frankly, you'll never hit because you're human. And so it offends me. And so we put our own expectations, our own ideas of how you should act, of how you should react, of how you should respond to everybody else. And we put that on everybody. We see it in our culture. We see it in our relationships. We see it everywhere in our society. Okay, another reason for this easily offended psychology is because of fears and anxieties. Right? We all have fears. We all have anxiety. But people who are easily offended, they need to feel like they're in control. Because if they feel like they're in control... They think the theory goes that I'll be less worried. I'll have less anxieties. So they're trying to minimize their anxieties. They're trying to control the lives around them and their own lives because they think that it will help them with their fears. Okay. The, the, the third thing, letter C is simply selfishness and insecurity. Um, you know what? I don't want to uh, acknowledge the fact that I am broken. I don't want to acknowledge the fact that I have flaws. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to focus on yours. I'm going to point yours out. And because you have flaws, it's very easy for me to notice. And I'm insecure. And something about me pointing out your problems and your flaws makes me feel better about myself. It's like this artificial security. 
And so selfish people can't see past their own beliefs, their own morals, their own values. It's my way or it's no way. And if it's not my way, well, then it shouldn't be anybody's way. Okay. Letter D is the, the biggest one. Letter D, the easily offended, it's because oftentimes they've been hurt or they're still hurting. Right? They're in pain. They've either experienced pain or they're in pain. And the fact is, beneath misery is always pain. If you find a miserable person, does anybody know a miserable person? I know some of those. If you peel back the layer of misery, you will always find pain. At first glance, the easily offended, it just looks silly. It just looks selfish. But the truth is, is if you could take their masks off, they've either been hurt or they're still hurting. So a deeper look, it reveals trauma, abuse, neglect, uh, other harmful things that they've been through in life. And so listen, the good news today is that God has so much better for us. God does not want us to live our lives in offense or in defense, but to live our lives as Jesus said, who the Son sets free is free indeed. Wouldn't it be great to walk in freedom from today until the rest of your life? So he says, who the sun sets free is free indeed. Now, there's a very important verse that I want to share with you in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says this, it says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Okay, let's read this out loud together. Do you guys have this verse? Let's read it. Proverbs 4, 23. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Okay, so your heart is your mind, right? It's another translation, uh, another way this verse is is stated is it says, be careful how you think because your life is shaped by your what? Thoughts. So be careful how I think because there goes my life. Above all else, guard your heart, right? There's a lot of things that we protect in our lives. We have passwords on our phones. We have doors. We have door locks. We have locks on our windows, in our houses. We have, some of you live in gated communities. Some of you live in guard-gated communities. We protect a lot of things. We go at a lot of length and trouble to make sure things are protected and guarded, right? So he says, above all else, above everything else that you protect, protect your heart because it determines the course of your life. Okay, so we're going to build on this verse for a minute. Guard your heart by looking at number two. Okay, number two, don't be easily angered. Okay, we looked at this a couple weeks ago. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, it literally says that phrase, don't be easily angered. It says, love is not easily angered. Okay, in Proverbs 14, 17, It says this. How many can relate to this verse? The hot-headed do things they'll later regret. Can anybody relate? Raise your hand. The hot-headed will do things they later regret. That's true. I think if we're honest, we can all say we have experienced that. We have been there. So he says, guard your heart above everything. Guard your heart. Now we're looking at this idea. Don't be easily offended. Don't get easily angered. Okay? Don't get easily angered. So in Galatians chapter 5, we have an interesting chapter. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you today, but I think it's be good for you to read maybe tonight. Galatians chapter 5 talks about the battle between your flesh and your spirit. Talks about, basically put it like this, it's the battle between you and the God in you. 
It's a battle between Travis and what like I want as a human and as a fleshly dude versus what God in me wants for my life. So that's Galatians 6. It kind of parallels with Romans chapter 7 with what Paul says. Remember Paul in Romans 6 and 7? He's also talking about the spirit versus the flesh. And he says things like, I don't know why I do what I say I'm not going to do and I do it anyway. There's this war going on inside of me. Okay, So when you get to Galatians 5, it talks about the battle of the flesh and the spirit. Then it talks about what we would say are the fruits of the flesh. Okay, And then it goes into the fruits of the spirit. So it talks about these things that the flesh wants. Lust, greed, pride. Okay, Then it goes in and it talks about the fruits of the spirit. And there are nine fruits of the spirit. Somebody say nine. Okay, nine. Let's read these nine fruits of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Okay, I want us to read this out loud together. Here we go. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Okay, in other words, how do you know if an orange tree is an orange tree? How do you know? Come on, tell me. Because it has oranges on it, right? I mean, we may not be the smartest church in Scottsdale, but we know that one for sure. An orange tree isn't an orange tree because it says, hey, I'm an orange tree, right? Hey, I just want everybody to know I'm an orange tree. The guy goes to the bookstore and it says, orange tree, I'm an orange tree. No, we know that it's an orange tree because the orange tree produces oranges. Could you imagine planting an orange tree, but instead of oranges, you got lemons, right? That's a lot of Christians. That's a lot of Christians. Okay, So he's talking about fruits. I love that he says it this way. Fruits. He could have said, but the characteristics of God are love, joy, peace, patience. He says the fruits. And I like the word fruits because fruits is something that has to grow. And it starts with a seed. It starts with the seed being planted. And then eventually it grows. So what I'm saying is, just because you say you're a Christian doesn't make you a Christian. Just because your mama went to church and loved Jesus doesn't mean that you're going to heaven. Just because you go to Impact Church, just because you have an Impact Church bumper sticker, window sticker, okay? I know some of y'all ain't going to heaven, even though you have the sticker. Because our director of operations, Miss Cindy, she was flipped off on the freeway. And she said it had an impact church sticker on the window. So we sat Pastor Andre down and we had to talk to him about it. Hey, listen, here's the thing, man. If you're going to put a stick, if you're going to put a church sticker that it says, I go to church, it says it, it actually has my face attached to it, right? 
Because when people get triggered because of your impact sticker, they're not going to call you. They don't have the ability to call you or email you. They're going to call me. And like, what am I supposed to do? Like, okay, they flipped you off. What's the big deal? I mean, does it, God made all our fingers. It could have been anything. Like, what am I supposed to, if you cannot control yourself, okay, take the sticker off, (laughs) right? Take the, don't put it on. Don't it. I drive a white Dodge truck. There ain't no church stickers on my truck. So. PT's in a hurry most of the time. You know, I don't want church sticker drawing more attention to, to me. So if, listen, if you're, if you're saved, but you're not really even close to being sanctified yet, and you go to the strip club every Friday, take the sticker off, man. You know? So, just because we say... Yeah, I'm a Christian. It means nothing because the proof is in the fruits that we produce. So he says it's in the fruits of the capital S spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, which is God, because we know that God, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are one in and of the same. So we know when it's capital S, it is the spirit, the fruits of God. They are love, joy, Peace. Uh, this says forbearance. Another translation says patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So I'm, you know, you say I'm a, I'm a Christian, but you're easily angered. You say I'm a Christian, but you're hateful and mean. You say I'm a Christian, but you have no self-control. And this is what the Bible's talking about. Is that there comes a point in our spiritual maturity where we actually have to grow up. Like you actually have to grow up. And so what we need to look at is when we're looking at the fruits of the spirit is which ones do we struggle with? Okay. So we're going to do this as the church family because it's a lot of fun to see each other's junk. Okay. So here we go. The fruit of the spirit is love. Anybody have a problem loving? Raise your hand. So few of you. Okay. About five of you. Anybody have a problem with joy? Raise your hand. Kind of discouraged at times. A little down sometimes. Okay. Anybody have a problem with peace? It's, it's oftentimes chaotic. Anybody at all? It's often stressful. You need some peace in your life. Do I need to keep preaching so every hand will go up? So it's like, okay, how many of you, this says forbearance, I'm just going to call it patience. You struggle in the area of patience. Yeah, that's about all of us. What about kindness? Anybody struggle with kindness? You're a pretty kind church. Okay. What about goodness? Just being a good person, good citizen, good family person. Okay. Struggle a little bit. Faithfulness. Anybody struggle in the area of faithfulness? Four of you. Everybody comes to church every single Sunday? You come every Sunday? How many struggle with faithfulness? Come on, raise your hand. Okay. You're like, I'm not raising that hand. It's going to look like I'm cheating on my spouse. They're not talking about it. faithfulness is bigger than that. Okay. Okay. Gentleness. Anybody struggle with gentleness? That's uh, for, I certainly do gentleness and then self-control. Anybody self-control? Yeah. Self-control. So this is what he's saying. One of the things I noticed about the fruits of the spirit and the list of these nine fruits is they almost all deal with anger, right? 
Instead of angry, instead of being angry, we love. We, we have joy instead of anger. We have peace instead of anger. We have kindness instead of anger. We're good. We're faithful. We're gentle. But instead of getting angry, get some self-control in our life. And so this is important because when it comes to our relationships, every relationship is going to have conflict. Every one of them, every marriage, every mother, child, father, child, every sibling, every friend, coworker, there's going to be conflict and conflict is inevitable, but combat is not every disagreement you have in your relationship. It will either be a breakdown or a breakthrough. Right. When I'm in conflict and I'm in an argument, a deep heated discussion, it's going to end two ways, breakdown or breakthrough. And in my relationship, I have to learn that anger has to be controlled. Okay. Or it will destroy my relationship. See, there's actually in the Bible, something about anger that we find that is a good thing. In fact, it says, Uh, Over 300 times in the Old Testament alone that God was angry. Okay, but the difference between God's anger and man's anger is that God's anger is a righteous anger. It's a holy anger. My anger usually isn't righteous or holy. Okay, God's anger is righteous and it's holy. And so what happens is in our relationships, there's typically two reactions to human anger, right? We become aggressive or we become passive. So you're one of two, right? You're in a heated battle. It's, it's like, boom, the heat is on. You either become aggressive or you become passive. It's almost like marriages and in marriage, there's a skunk and there's a turtle, right? You know, when the skunk's angry, it just starts spraying everything and everywhere. And then there's the turtle. They just like retract, you know, they just redraw it would draw into a shell. Typically those skunks and turtles end up married together. And it's a lot of fun for the rest of your life. And so Proverbs fifteen eighteen it says this, a hot tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. This is what we're talking about. There is a righteous anger. There is a way to have anger without having sin. Okay. You have to learn to control your anger in a godly way. And have self-control. Express your anger appropriately. One of the most important things is to understand your anger. Right? Understand it. Like, when you say, I'm mad. Man, I am am ticked off right now. I'm really upset. What is it that you're really feeling? Because oftentimes, it's that you're actually really hurt. Or you're really disappointed. Or you're really broken. That's the initial feeling. But now it makes me mad. And so when we're in a relationship, we have to learn how to be slow to anger. That's what it says in James, right? He says that we are slow to anger. We're quick to, quick to listen, okay? Slow to speak, and we're slow to anger, okay? This leads us to number three. Let's look at it. Number three, don't be triggered, is to pray for patience. 98% of you raise your hand for this. The other two of you, 2% were sleeping in church, Okay? Love is patient. Say it out loud. Love is patient. Love. God is love. That's what it says in first John. We know God is love and we know that love is patient. That's what love is. That is a fruit of the spirit. It is a characteristic of God. Okay. It, it means that 
When I am patient, I am loving. I am more like God when I'm patient. It is loving to be patient and it is actually the opposite, unloving to not be patient. So when I'm not being patient, I'm being unloving. When I'm being patient, I'm being loving. Look at Proverbs 14, 9 with me. He says, a patient man has great understanding, but a quick-tempered man displays folly. Okay, So in other words, he says it's foolish to not have patience. It's foolish to be quick-tempered. It's foolish to walk in, be angry quickly. Now, you cannot talk about patience without talking about anger because they go together. In fact, the Greek word for patience is macrothumos, which means this. Macro means long, okay? And then thumos, it means heat or energy. So literally the word patient means that I have a long fuse, that I am slow to become heated in my reactions. So instead of getting triggered, because listen, I can tell you this is going to happen. This is going to happen and it's going to happen today. Today. Because anytime I preach on anything, it happens to me before I preach it. I'm like, you know what? I think I'll preach on patience. And I have really not dealt with patience in a long time. And then that week, oh my gosh, it's like all of hell is fighting against me, right? You got all these grannies on the 101 going 14 miles an hour and like losing my mind, right? So you're going to deal today with patience. You know why? Because you're hearing God's word on patience. And now that you've heard the word on patience, God's going to put you in a test today. Okay. He might even already have put you in the test, right? You're like, just go on to the next point already. Please skip this point. Go to the next point. So patience and anger, they go hand in hand. They go together. So instead of getting triggered and losing my mind, instead of a reaction, a knee jerk reaction, I need to step back, slow down, pause, take a deep breath reflect before I react or respond, before you say something, before you text something, before you send me an email after church. Don't react impulsively, but delay, right? You're in a fight. You're arguing. Instead of continuing to argue and escalate, de-escalate, take a step back, pause. And the most important thing you can do in the delay is to pray. Okay. Pray. So I'm in this heated moment, man, I'm really not happy. Somebody's really upset me. I'm really offended. Oh my gosh. Now I can't believe the situation I'm in and you're just losing your mind. Take a step back and pray. Listen, I'm not saying to wait for a day. But five minutes, 10 minutes, the longer you wait in that moment, the more under control you're going to be. The more you go to the Lord and say, Lord, help me to see this. Don't, don't pray like, Lord, give me the words to show her that she is wrong. Like, no, Lord, give me the right heart. Give me the right attitude. Give me the right things to say in the right way to say them. But move out in patience. Wait a few minutes. Listen, here's the truth. Anytime you lose your temper you lose. Anytime you lose your temper, you lose. And so God give me patience. Again, it's a fruit of the spirit. 
It says in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient. It's the first thing it says. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. And it goes on. Love is patience. Patience is the key to controlling your anger. So here's what I want you to do today. Ask yourself this question. Are you patient? Do you have a short fuse or a long fuse? And ask God to help you develop the fruit of patience. Okay? It's a fruit. You plant the seeds around you. You get yourself surrounded by seeds that are going to make you bear the fruit of patience. I'm going to spend time in God's word. I'm going to spend time in my daily quiet time. I'm going to just slow down. Man, I'm going to do what it says in Joshua 1. I'm going to meditate on the word day and night. I'm going to think about the word throughout the day. And now when I get into some moments where I might normally lose my mind, I'm going to take a step back because I'm in the right mental space. I'm in the right mental capacity because I'm walking in the spirit and not in the flesh. Okay. Let's look at number four. This one's the hardest one of all of them. Number four, put a guard over my mouth. I could name names right now. Okay, in Psalm 141, verse 3, David prayed this prayer and he said, Set a guard over my mouth, Lord, keep watch over the doors of my lips. Let's read that out loud together as well. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord, keep watch over the doors of my lips. Okay, set a guard over my mouth. Okay, apparently David said some things that he regretted. Or thought about it, right? So God, I need some help with my mouth. Here's the thing about the mouth. The Bible says that your mouth, it's like a verbal viper, right? In James chapter three, there's a whole chapter about your mouth. It's like this venomous snake that is waiting to strike. Like it's just waiting to inject It's poison. It's venom into somebody else. And here's the other thing about the mouth. This is why it's so hard to control it. Because James, it says, if anyone is able to control everything that they say, if they're perfect in everything they say, they're completely perfect. Why would it say that? Because Jesus said that your heart is connected to your mouth. So Jesus said like this, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So those are the words of Christ out of the abundance or the overflow of what's going on in my head. I'm eventually going to say it. It's going to come out. It is going to come out and I cannot help it. And so this is the danger of the tongue. This is the danger of our mouths. Look at Proverbs 18, 21 with me. He says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Words are powerful, right? Words, they can kill. Words, they can give life. We can build each other up. We can tear each other down. God put a guard over my mouth. Now listen, when you say God put a guard over my mouth, it doesn't mean that you never talk, right? It's a filter, I put this filter, this God filter in front of my mouth. And if it is not godly, it's not coming through the filter. 
it's going to get trapped in there. Like if it's not productive, if it's not edifying, if it's not encouraging, then it's not going to come out. So I put a filter because a lot of times we say the right things, but we say them the wrong way. Or we say the right things the wrong way and at the wrong time. So it's not just about saying the right words. It's about saying the right words the right way at the right time. That's why we all suck at it. You know what I'm saying? Because we'll just say the right thing. And we're like, but I know that's right. But you said it like you were going to just murder somebody, right? The wrong spirit, the wrong heart. It might have been truth, but the truth is never accepted because the way we deliver it put a big wall up. So the mouth is an interesting study because we're notorious for saying the right things, but we say them the wrong way at the wrong time. There's a big difference. So don't be so offended. Don't be easily angered. Be patient, grow in your patience and ask God to help you manage your mouth. Your mouth, listen, your mouth, it is the most powerful weapon in the world. Like, you know, think about all the technology that we have in the military, all the technology that we have. You know, we always talk about the button. You can push a button and destroy the whole world. You can push a button. Boom, it's all gone. Right. There's something more powerful than even nuclear weapons, and that is the human mouth. The human mouth, it is a weapon of destruction if we don't use it the right way. You can destroy your marriage. Okay, You can destroy your spouse. You can destroy their confidence. You can destroy their self-worth, their value. You can destroy your child. You can destroy your career. You can destroy your own reputation. Your mouth can single-handedly ruin everything you know to be true. But it can also give life. It can build up. It can encourage. It can edify. It can motivate. It can inspire. It can speak life. In controlling your mouth... Listen, it is especially important when you're angry. Controlling your anger okay, in a godly way means that I'm patient, that I'm kind, that I'm gentle, that I'm able to communicate my feelings in love. Okay, Communicate my feelings in love. I want to talk about this because if you're in a relationship at all, communication is, it is the hardest thing about a relationship. Communication. Okay, it's the single number one biggest factor in marriage problems is communication. Okay, and we're like, we're, we talk, but we just don't communicate. I talk, he doesn't hear. I say something, she doesn't. I say it, but she hears something different. He said, you know, it's just, it's just a disaster when it comes to communication. So here's what we have to learn. We have to learn to communicate godly And communicate our feelings with love. Communicate my feelings without attacking the other person. How do I do that? How do I attack the problem without attacking the person? Okay. How do I communicate in a way that it doesn't make the other person defensive? Because that's not my goal. How do I learn to communicate where it is the truth, but it's the truth in love. And it's also received in love. Okay, so I watch my mouth. I pray about what I'm going to say. I pray about when I'm going to say it. I pray about how I'm going to say it. This is what Proverbs 10 says in verse 19. It says, when words are many, sin is unavoidable. 
Okay? But he who restrains his lips is wise. Interesting verse. When words are many. In Proverbs 13.3 it says, He who guards his mouth protects his life, but the one who opens his lips invites his own ruin. Proverbs 21.23 He who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps his own soul from distress. James 1.26 It says, If anyone considers himself religious... And yet does not bridle his own tongue. He deceives his heart and his religion is worthless. Okay. And I want to share one more verse in Luke 6. These are the words of Jesus Christ. I mentioned a little bit of this a minute ago. It says this. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things stored up out of the evil in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Okay. So. What are you filling your heart with? That's the question. If the mouth speaks what the heart is full of, all I got to do is spend about two hours with you to see what your heart is full of. Because I can hear it. I can hear it. And sometimes people are bitter. Sometimes they are holding a grudge. You can hear it. Sometimes you can... Have you ever... This is really sad. This is, this to me breaks my heart, but you ever been talking to somebody and within like 10 minutes, you can see how insecure they are. That is heartbreaking. So what are you feeding your soul? What are you feeding your heart? What are you feeding it? You know, if you're dealing with anger problems, some of you have anger issues, you're dealing with anger. I would like, I would love to be a fly on the wall. I'd love to see what you listen to, what you're watching. I'd love to get inside of your Apple music or your Spotify You know, you're dealing with anger. You might need to lay low on the Metallica and the Slim Shady and stuff. That angry type, you know, get you hyped up before a game. You need like some Mozart or like, you know, maybe nothing. Just quiet. Right? What are you feeding your soul? Because what happens is what we feed it, it eventually spills out into the things that we say. So... How many of you are in a relationship right now? Raise your hand. You're married, you're dating, you're engaged. Okay, it's a lot of you. How many wish you were? Raise your hand. How many are in a relationship, but you wish you weren't? Raise your hand. <laughs> if you're married, keep your hands down. So, I want to give you five rules for communication. These aren't in your outline. This is late breaking. And so this is like bonus material, okay? So the five C's, the five ground rules for communication, if you're in a relationship. If you're not, you should still, you know, jot these down because, I mean, if the Lord is good, you will one day be in a relationship, okay? So here's the five C's of communication in a relationship. Number one, never compare, right? You're in an argument and you say, man... I wish you were more like, oh, oh, it doesn't even matter who you say after that. You know what I'm saying? It it could be somebody you don't even know. It could be make-believe, you know? It could be like, I wish you were more like Tom on Tom and Jerry, because it doesn't matter what you say, it's over. Never compare, okay, Or, or, or worse, you're just like your, oh my gosh, that never comes up in a good scenario, you know? 
You're like freaking the man, superwoman, superman. And then you're, 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 you know, your wife or your husband, you just like your dad. You so admit, no, it's always a bad context, right? It's always something bad about your parent. You're just like your mother. Like, oh, so never compare. Okay. Never compare. That is a low blow. It's unfair to compare. Yes, we do have characteristics like our family, our parents, our siblings, even, but we are all made unique. And the Bible is very clear about that. And it's also complete, complete that comparing is not, is, is not healthy. Okay. Number two, never condemn. Don't use absolutes. Okay. You always you always, blah, blah, blah. you never, right? When I do that, what happens is it just shuts the other person's brain off. Okay. It, it either shuts them off or it pisses them off. One of the two, but it doesn't, it doesn't do what you think it's going to do. Have you ever done that in an argument? You say something, you think it's going to do one thing. You know, it's not going to do what you think it's going to do. So, so I don't compare, I don't condemn. We don't change people by labeling people or condemning people. Okay. Even Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn this world, but to save the world. Okay. The third C never challenge. Okay. What do I mean by that? You don't, you don't threaten or almost lay a dare out. You know what I'm saying? Like a dare would be like, um, let me think of something. Okay. Oh, okay. Do it. See what happens. Okay, if, if you tell me that, like, okay, do it. We'll see what happens. Like, it just depends the nature of the person. But when, when you're a competitor, it's on. <laughs> right? I love you, but it's, it's now we are enemies on a field. And this is my new sport. Like, it is on. So it doesn't work. It doesn't do what you think it's going to do. Okay, here's another one before. Never condescend. This is a big one. I think this happens uh, way more than we even know because it's in the secret moments of a relationship that we all don't see. What's happening in the shadows of your relationship? Don't belittle your mate. Don't ridicule your mate. Uh, Don't listen. This is especially important. Don't ridicule their feelings. Their feelings are their feelings. They can't help it. So don't ridicule how they feel. It's how you're a freaking idiot for feeling like that. Well, thank you very much. I can't help it. Right? So I don't ridicule their feelings. That doesn't do anything for me. Listen, the truth is you may not feel the same way. You may not feel any way like what they feel. But who made you the mentally stable one? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like... It's like, yeah, I'm the one that knows everything. It's like, what? You may not. Listen, one of the things about, you know, a relationship. And and this is what I say about our church, too. is like, we're a family. We're not alike. We don't agree on everything. But we're still a family. We agree on the Bible, right? The Bible is our agreement. But if there's things that are gray, we may not agree on them. If they're gray, I don't preach on them. If they're not gray, I preach on them. If it's black and white, it's the, if it's the truth, it's the truth. I didn't write it. I just present it. I'm just a messenger of the gospel. I can't change it. I can't rewrite it. I can't manipulate it. I can't soften it. I can't water it down. It is what it is. 
It just, that's the, that's what the Bible is. So, but it doesn't mean we can't be family if we don't agree on everything. So just because you don't think like I think doesn't mean we can't love each other. Doesn't mean we can't appreciate another person's feelings. It doesn't mean we can't have some sympathy and some empathy to understand that. Yeah, but they feel that way. They feel that way. We've seen this culturally. We've seen this in our nation over the last year. There's certain groups, man. And then there's other groups discounting that group. We can't do that. If they feel that way, they feel that way. And there's almost, almost always a valid reason people feel the way they feel. So we need to learn to not condescend the way they feel. Number, number five, the fifth C for communication is don't correct. <laughs> Never correct. Don't correct people. I, you know, what is it about us that we feel like we are, you know, like the super teacher of the world and we want to correct what the people around us are saying. Like, no, that's not right. This is right. This, no, that's not true. This is true. We see it on social media. Even somebody posts something and then there's all these posts under it. It's not right. So it's like, what is it about the, the, the brokenness inside of us that feels like we have to correct another person? So, All of this is under number four, put a guard over my mouth. Let's look at number five, because I should be closing in prayer already. (laughs) Become a peacemaker. Some people are really good at being troublemakers. Some people are really good at being instigators and agitators and manipulators. I've been manipulated. People try, you know, there's, there's also, there's fruits of the spirit and there's gifts of the spirit. So I don't have time to go in the gifts of the spirit, but study in first Corinthians 12, 13 and 14, the gifts of the spirit, the gifts of the spirit. Let me just give you a couple examples. The gift of healing. Some people have the gift of healing. God can heal today. And there are some people that they can pray for you. They have a gift that God has given them. You will be physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever healed. God has given us that. There's a gift of knowledge, gift of wisdom, gift of prophecy. There's the gift of faith. Okay, there's the gift of discernment. There's also nine gifts of the Spirit. Nine fruits, nine gifts. Okay, so let's look at discernment. Discernment's a good one because discernment gives you the mind of Christ. So I, I pray. Remember in the Old Testament, Solomon, the Lord asked Solomon, what do you want? And Solomon said, God, if I could have wisdom. And he said, Solomon, I'm going to give you wisdom. And you didn't ask for it, but I'm going to give you all the money and all, this, all everything that you need resources to do the work of the Lord. Okay, he prayed for wisdom. Wisdom is the mind of God. Discernment is the mind of Christ. You need discernment because we live in a world of manipulators. Right? What do you believe on the news? You believe what you believe because you believe it. Right? You watch a certain news station because your mommy and daddy did. So, well, that's your truth too. You watch a certain news station because it's been in your house your whole life. So you have a certain bent. You have, you've never really thought on your own. And so you don't know, man, maybe I'm being manipulated. Maybe I'm not being manipulated. So I need the mind of God. I need the mind of Jesus Christ in my life. Listen, God doesn't want us to be good at manipulating or instigating or agitating. He wants us to be good at peacemaking. Let me tell you what peacemakers do. Peacemakers, they build bridges. 
Peacemakers, they compromise with one another. Peacemakers, they figure out ways to cooperate together. Peacemakers, they live in harmony with one another. In Romans 12, 18, it says, Do everything possible on your part to live at peace with all men. Okay, let me say it like this. The hallmark of a Christian ought to be their ability to get along with other people. That ought to be the hallmark of a Christian is my ability to get along with other people. It's not how much you pray or read the Bible or sing or give. I've given so much to that church. You know what? If you're going to act like that, we give it back. Leave. Okay, It doesn't matter how much you go to church, read the Bible, lift up your hands, give to your church, which is to the Lord, by the way. What matters is how you treat other people. How you treat other people. Our ability to be in cooperation with one another. That's the hallmark of a Christian. Jesus said it like this. He said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. So he says, do everything possible. Let me break some news to you. Peace always has a price. If you want peace, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes we're just like, oh God, I just pray for peace in my life. I'm going through the storm of my life. It's just spinning me out of control. God, my marriage, I need. Listen, sometimes the answer is you. Be a peacemaker. Not an agitator. Be a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. Sometimes it means that there's a price that needs to be paid for peace. It's going to cost you something. It might cost your ego. It might cost your self-centeredness. It might cost your selfishness. But you've got to be willing to give in. Maybe my wife is right. I mean, there is a large part of my brain that doesn't think so. But maybe, let me come back to the bridge of compromise. Maybe my parents do know what they're talking about. Maybe, maybe my kid has a legitimate gripe, a legitimate concern. There's always a cost for peace. In Matthew chapter 5 verse 9, Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. I love this verse because the children of God part. That's why I like it. Because he says, blessed are the peacemakers, they'll be called children of God. Why would we say that? Why would we say, blessed are the peacemakers, they'll be called children of God? Aren't we all children of God? So why is he talking about making peace? Because look, we all take on the characteristics of our parents. And when we're peacemakers, we're like our father. Because God is a peacemaker. He is a peacemaker. So when we are making peace, we are functioning, operating just like Father God. Okay. Remember, we opened with James chapter four, verse one. Uh, If we can go back to that, James chapter four, verse one, I want to read it again. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? What is he talking about? He's talking about the inner Conflict. He's talking about the inner quarrels and fights as they come from our own desires. Okay? So you have to ask yourself this question. Am I a peacemaker or am I 
a troublemaker? Do I like to argue? Am I a contentious person? Do I get my feelings hurt easily? Am I defensive most of the time? Do I hurt other people's feelings? Am I a peacemaker? Okay, let's look at number six. Number six, and the final one, is to remember to live your life by the golden rule. I don't know who came up with the two words, the golden rule, but it's, it's, it's not, the Bible doesn't say this is the golden rule. Humanity has made this a statement that this is the golden rule, but the Bible is the one who, you know, originally put this verse, this phrase out. So here's what the golden rule is. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, knock him the mess out. <laughs> nope. Offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. Do to others as you'd like them to do to you. It doesn't say do to others what you would like to do. It says do to others what you would like them to do to you. It's a great golden rule, right? It's the perfect like rule for living. I treat you the way I want to be treated. I treat my friends, my family, my coworkers, even my enemies, how I would want to be treated. I've learned that oftentimes your enemies aren't really enemies. It's just a really big misunderstanding. I've learned that oftentimes the people that don't like you, there's something about you that they don't like. They don't realize that you have God's favor and God's blessing on your life. And oftentimes it's not that they don't like you. They're just jealous of God's blessing on your life. So, when we think about our lives for a minute, we think in terms of, okay, man, I'm in this situation, whether it's a moment in my marriage, a moment in my family, and it's a moment where I know this person at work cannot stand me. I have to lay down my pride and lay down my ego to treat them, even though they don't like me, to treat them how I would love to be treated myself. So there's freedom in this because the freedom is that I'm living my life for Christ, not for you. The freedom is, is that I'm not allowing you to dictate the way I feel or the way I live. That's the freedom. The freedom is you can't say this phrase as a man or a woman of God. You should never say you make me mad. Because the truth is, if you're spirit led, nobody can make you mad. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what they do because I'm controlled by the Holy Spirit, not by you. So when it comes to the way we live our lives and say, you know what? I'm going to live my life to please Jesus Christ. And you know what? Jesus was good to his enemies. Really good to his enemies. I want to close with this verse in Luke 23, verse 34, says this, when they came to the place called the skull, you think about that for a minute. You know why it was called the skull It's because they killed people there. They crucified him along with criminals, one on his right, 
the other on his left. This is, man, this is like power right here. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. And then they divided up his garments by casting lots. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Can we do that? Could we come to a place in our hearts where we live our lives just like that? Man, they did me wrong, but God, they just don't realize. They don't, they don't know what they are. They're not in their right head space, man. They're not in their right mind right now. God, forgive them. It's fine. Be easy going. Don't be easily triggered. Be easy going. Don't be a difficult person. Difficult people are not enjoy of, to be around. If you're a difficult person, you probably don't have a lot of friends. I'm just saying. Because difficult people are not, they're, they're not like you wake up and you're like, man, I can't wait to hang out with this person that just everything sucks in their life all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like they find the problem and every solution. I cannot wait to spend the day with them. Nobody. <laughs> difficult people are not a joy to be around. Is so be easygoing. Be a person of faith. Be a person that's positive. Be a person that believes the best, even in the worst of people. Let's pray. Listen, if you're here today and you've never taken a step to give your life to Jesus Christ, I want to just invite you to do that now. Pray this prayer in your heart and say, Jesus, today, I want to give you my life. I want to thank you for dying on the cross for me to forgive me of my sins. And Lord, today I, I just dedicate my life to you. Maybe today you want to rededicate your life. You've gotten off track. You've wandered a little bit off the journey with Jesus. And today you say, Lord, today I want to rededicate my life to you. God, I pray today that you would teach us to be men and women of God who live out the golden rule of God, who walk in the security and the power of the Holy Spirit. God, that we're not easily triggered, that we're not easily offended, that we're not easily defensive, that we're not easily angered, but God, that we lay our defenses down, that we lay down our offenses. And Lord, we just believe the best in you and we believe the best in one another. God, we know that you have a good plan for our life. Lord, teach us to walk in that plan. God, we love you so much. Lord, I pray for relationships today. Lord, is, Lord, we're all, anybody that's in a relationship is dealing with all of these issues. Lord, life is not easy. Marriage is not easy. Relationships are not easy. Communication is not easy. But God, we invite you and ask you to lead us. Lead us in our relationships. Lead us in our conversations. God, teach us to communicate in a godly manner. God, teach us to communicate with grace and humility and kindness and gentleness. God, speaking the truth in love, teach us to use the right words at the right time in the right way. Teach us to be good listeners. God, that we can be empathetic and full of compassion and sympathy for one another. God, that we grow in our patience. God, that we grow in the fruits of the Spirit. Because today we choose to be men and women of God.
and we want to walk that out. Father, we thank you for everybody here today, everybody listening online, our entire church family. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. We all say, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to celebrate with you and get you more connected. Visit www.impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.